0: Amen and amen I'm Glad you're here this morning uh I've told several of y'all about this, but in case you don't know uh some of the things that uh, kind of taking some of my time lately is that I've spent the last whole oh, month and a half or so of a month ago being a basketball coach. you know you sign up your kids for sports and then they put out that plea we need coaches and night they get me every time, and I say, oh, I'll be a coach, you know. And so I've signed up for both boys. I'm coaching the fourth-grade basketball team and a second-grade basketball team. Let me tell you, it's fun. Now, there are big differences between these teams. Now, I'm not talking just about age level and, and you know, talent level. That just, that just comes. But there's a big difference between what the games are like after they're over for me. Now, for Payton's team, my fourth-grade team, that is, we are good. I'm just going to say right now, we are, it is a good team. We are actually tied for second place in the league right now, and no, not out of like three teams. There's 11 teams, you know, so we're doing pretty good. We've got a good shot at first, you know, and we, our boys win most games easily. They, they lost their very first game and haven't lost since, and they are, they're really good, I and mean, they've learned the skills. They're, they're passing, they're, they're running plays. It's great. Now, I love the after the game of, of my fourth grade team, just like it was yesterday, we had the game, they won, and after the game, everybody's coming up to me and saying, good job, coach, way to go, coach, another great win, coach, I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm, that's the, that's the coach, you know, was, you know, and then we have my second grade team, now, the good thing about my second graders is they may not have a lot of basketball skill, but they are so cute, you know, they're still so cute, so you can't get too mad at them, but... These guys, um, unlike my fourth graders who really learned some skills and had developed, but, you know, the second graders, they're really, they're not even sure what a basketball is at this point. They're still kind of, I love it, I'll have some kids out there, they'll spend the whole game screaming, I'm open, pass the ball to me, and somebody will pass the ball to them, and they'll be like, ah! You know, like hide from it or something, you know? They get that ball in their hands, and their eyes just go like this, like, I don't know what to do! You know, and so we're struggling, Um, We have, unlike my other team that has lost only one game, my second graders, they've only won one game. And we played yesterday. I don't remember exactly how many points the other team scored. It was about 30, something like that. I know how many points we scored. Zero. You know, it was a a tough game. Now, can you imagine what the reception is like after that game? I love my fourth graders. Good job, coach. Way to go, coach. I got some ugly looks yesterday. Let me tell you, friends, I got some people going, let's see if we can find another coach around here. I'm wondering if I'm going to get fired before the season is over. You know, I'm not getting pats on the back, way to go, good effort, you know, nothing like this. I'm getting some looks from some parents, some moms and dads. What are you doing? Now, what does that tell us? The result of the game is not really based on the coach, is it? Now, a coach can be good or bad, and, you know, I'm maybe in between somewhere. The coach is supposed to teach the skills, call the plays, correct mistakes, tell them what's doing, but the coach ain't playing the game. The kids are playing the game. The players are the ones that are in there. The win or the loss or whatever happens in that game, really, I didn't have much to do with it. Those kids can take what I say and use it. They could ignore it. It doesn't matter. It's their result. Now, I know for it's easier uh, you know, for parents to not blame their kid or blame the coach, you know, the one who didn't teach it well enough, but really, I, although I'm an important role for those kids to try to teach the things, the win or the loss is really not on me. I don't deserve the credit uh, and, or really that much to blame because I'm trying to do what I can, but they have to actually do the work. Is that right? Now, think about it. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. Now, while I'm far from a perfect coach, God is. God is absolutely perfect. He's the best you could ever ask for, the Hall of Fame, the all-time greatest. I mean, what, think about it. What does God do? He, he teaches us. He reveals himself. He shows us how we are to live this life. He tries to correct us when we get off. He calls the plays. He's saying, I know what's best for you for your family, for your things, I'm going to tell you this is what you should do. But really, have to do. We go out, and we got to choose whether we're going to do those things or not. If we're going to listen to God's voice, if we're going to run the play that He called for us, if He says go this way, are we going to do it? Now, think think about this for a moment. God is so loving and so awesome that he did not just create us to be some robots that would do whatever he said to do. He could have made his creation that way, that his creatures would do exactly what he wanted them to do every single time, but what does that take away? It takes away our choice, our free will. God loves us enough, he's going to say, I am here for you, I'm going to just pour myself into you, and I'm going to save you, but you still get the choice to how you're going to actually go live. You're to choose whether you're going to listen to my voice, that if you're going to take instruction, that God loves us so much that he's even given us the choice if we would reject him. Now, just like I've got some kids trying to figure out that life is better when you listen to the person trying to give you instruction and who is telling you some things you need to know, that life is better and you got more success and things are easier when you do so, the same is true for you and me. When we just realize that God is trying to do the same thing with us, He is trying to teach, to instruct, to correct, to bless, to guide, and if we would listen and do what He says... We're going to encounter success. We're going to encounter blessings. We're going to encounter, I mean, just wondrous things because we're in the midst of his will. But we can't when things don't go our way. What can't we do? You look at that sermon title this morning to find out. Don't blame the coach. You can't go to God. God, it's your fault. He say, you didn't listen. Let's look at what Scripture has for us this morning. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks some wonderful words. You probably have heard these verses before. A great reminder of what it is to do to actually not just listen, but to take in and to do the things God tells us to do. Jesus speaks this, and starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I love that illustration Jesus gives to us. This reminder of, I am telling you how to live, I am trying to guide you, I am trying to bless you, but I can't force you to listen to me. If you would do what I say, if you would not only hear my words, but if you would put them into practice, you're in this solid place. Like being built on the solid rock that no matter what happens, it still might get stormy, it still will get tough, but you will be okay. But if you just hear but do not do, it may seem secure, but one day that falls apart. I like how it says elsewhere, In Scripture, in the book of James, it reminds us that to be not just a hearer of the word, but a doer also. It tells us that the one who hears the word only is like the man who comes and looks at himself in the mirror, leaves, and immediately forgets what he looks like. We're warned against not just hear the word, but to do what it says. This is Jesus' version of the same thing. He said, I'm trying to tell you I am trying to guide you, but if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to apply, then whose fault is who's it? Whose fault is it when it's not just working out how you had expected? I love his words when he speaks this. It's a good reminder. You know, I was thinking this week, we're a couple weeks into our new year. There's many of you, like me, who are on a Bible plan. Some of you are doing the one-year Bible. Some of you maybe have a physical copy or uh, maybe using your phone or your, your Bible app. Um, maybe you use another Bible plan. That's all right. Uh, if you haven't got into this so far, good opportunity to do so. It's not so far in the year that you can't uh, catch up and just start reading God's Word. Now, I really like this. Now, I I try to read God's Word all the time, every day, but I haven't done this version before, and I'm I'm enjoying it myself going through every day. But I've noticed something, as I do. I've got my bookmark here today, and it says January 14th. So here, after church today, I'm going to go sit in my office and get a drink of water and kind of calm down a few minutes, and I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read today in Genesis chapter 30. Uh, part of thirty one. I'm gonna go through here. What else do I have to read today? Let's find out. Some of you've already been there. Matthew ten, Psalm twelve. Now, as I as I read through some of this today, and maybe some of you have, or some of you will, I have noticed even in myself there's a real tendency to do something. All right, God, I've got it on my list. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. And all right, I did that. And now check mark. I'm done. God, aren't you pleased with me? If you come with attitude, if I'm just going to read, if I'm just going to get a check mark off, if I just came to church because I want to look good in front of others or look good to God, but I have no desire to take what God is trying to tell me through His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit, if I have no desire to take those things and apply them to use them in my life, to let them guide me and show me what God has for me, then what good was coming to that? God is not going to find you one day and says, all right, let's see if you've got enough check marks on your Bible reading list, if you can get into heaven. Oh, you're one short, I'm sorry. It's not the way it works. Jesus, he loved to teach and he loved to bless and instruct and tell what life in him was like. But he's trying to remind you, if you just come to hear, if you just come to read, if it's just this so you can check it off and so you think you might look good, but have no desire to apply it, why did you do it in the first place? Now, we don't think about it a lot, but until something happens to us, you know, I see this all the time, people saying, I've got my life in a tough place. You know, you maybe you, you think you hit rock bottom with whatever's going on, your, your life is falling apart, you lost your job, your, your family, your marriage, whatever is in, on the rocks, and you're trying to struggle what to do, and you're saying, all right, God, I'm finally turning to you. I'm going to show up to church every Sunday. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I promise God, I promise God. I've seen so many people. I've been, been there myself. That it is, I'm coming for performance. I'm just going to show up because as if my attendance was what you really needed. As if just my making sure I read my scripture is what you really needed. And then suddenly, the storms blow, the things happen, and it falls all apart again. You go right back to where you were, and you look at God and says, God, I thought we had a deal. If I just read, if I just showed up, if I just tried to pray, if I tried to act like a Christian, weren't you supposed to take care of everything? I mean, you start quoting Romans eight twenty eight all over the place. God works together for all things, right? You'll, well, you didn't work together all things. In my case, God, or you forget the rest of the verse. God works together all things for the good of those who... Love him and who are called according to his purpose. That means living in his will. That means allowing God's word, God's spirit, to have its effect in your life. There's another way of living that you say, God, I need you. That My life is falling apart. I don't know what to do. I don't have an answer. Things are just not great right now. I don't know how to handle this, God. You say, God, I want to start seeking you. So I'm going to start showing up to church. God, I'm going to to get my Bible. I'm I'm going to try to read it every day. And God, I'm going to seek you in prayer every day. You've done the same thing as the other person has done. But you've come to an attitude of, God, as I come before you, as I seek you, I want you to mess up my life with your plans. Isn't that a crazy thing to say to God? I want you to mess up my life because I've already been making a mess of it. Maybe your mess up is a whole lot better than mine. Maybe your plans, which will seem crazy to me, which will not be what I thought should be, God, maybe you've got it. And so, God, as I come to your word, as I come to your house, as I come in your presence, God, I am not just trying to show off for you or anybody else. I'm wanting you to change me. I'm wanting you to speak me. You're like, I am coming. Coach, I am here. Tell me what to do. There's always those moments in the games I get with the kids, and I get it with both of my teams. There's times when things aren't going the right way. You know, there's a a tough moment in the game. What do I do? Time out. That ref blows his whistle. Time out. Boys, come here. Come here. And they gather around me, and they're, you know, and I figure out what to do. I say, boys, listen. You're having a hard time right now. Yeah, these, the last few minutes weren't going our way, but let me tell you, I noticed our problem. I tell my older team, I said, they they struggle with rebounding, and grabbing that ball. They will go to the other team. I said, guys, that's yours. Go get it. Here's and I give quick instruction. Go do this. Go go make a certain move. Go get in a place. Go grab. If you'll do that, watch what starts to happen. With my younger ones, it's you know it's usually, hey, don't let them steal that ball. And I will tell them something else, and I give. Says, here's the problem. Take your break, pay attention, listen to what I'm telling you. Now go apply it. Now, those boys, just like we sometimes, they you know sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. Right? Sometimes the time they go, oh yeah, I hear what coach was saying. This is the problem. Let's go fix it, and they start working on it and see improvement. And sometimes they go right, like I never spoke a word. Now, take a moment and evaluate yourself. Because whether you realize it or not, God just called a timeout this morning. I don't know why you came in here, but in this moment, He's just called us timeout. Child, listen to me. You've been getting beat up this past week. Things haven't been going your way. Let's stop for a minute and there's there's no distractions. There's nothing else to worry about except right now to be in my presence, be before the Word. Let me talk to you. And this morning, in in different ways, only by the way the Holy Spirit can, He is trying to speak to you and say, All right, it's okay. It hadn't been working so well your own way, but listen to me. We're going to fix this, we're going to change something. You've got to put your focus on me. You've got to do these things. You've got to let go of that. You've got to to change them. Your plan is not working. He's called time out. He is talking to you. But here in a few moments, we pray, we sing, and we head out those doors. Time out is over. You go back out to go live your day and live your week and encounter the same things you did last week, And are you going to have listened to God? Are you going to let his word have an effect on you? Are you just going to go back and say, well, I heard, but I didn't really listen. I haven't done. I haven't applied. Well, if you don't, you know what? Don't blame God. Don't go to God and say, God, why didn't you do this? Now, God is gracious, he is merciful, he blesses us in spite of our failures, he forgives us time and time again. He is so awesome, he is the most patient, loving, and all this stuff. But God is trying to tell you, if you don't want to listen, if you're just going to ignore actually doing the things he says to do, don't be surprised when the house begins to crumble. When you find yourself back just where you were before, it is to listen and to do. It is as if somebody hears my words and does what I am telling you, then it'll be like the house built on the rock. He didn't say that tough things won't come. Even in Jesus' illustration, he says that one that's built on the rock, the solid foundation, he says, the storms will come, the winds will rage, but you're, you're built on the rock. You will not crumble. You'll still have tough moments you'll get through that you see how god taught you perseverance you received the blessing on the other end because you didn't just go backwards you're making steps forward with christ i want this to be a very plain and simple message this morning so I, I i don't have much more to say one thing in just a moment but i want us to be clear on what jesus is really getting after. in fact there's one more just like a little core element of this that we have I told you we began to read that this passage is at the end of what we call, we've labeled it this, the Sermon on the Mount. Started in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus gathered his disciples and some other people around him and began to teach. Now I love the Sermon on the Mount because it covers so many things. I mean, Jesus just, he pours himself out and he just blesses and he he touches on so many things. Subjects, but really there's one thing. You see, Jesus, he begins, you know, the, the Beatitudes, blessed are so-and-so, you know, what does it say? Blessed are the spirit, blessed are the mourn, blessed are the meek. He calls it to be salt, he calls it to be light. He gets an auction of, you have heard it said, but I tell you. He's saying, you have heard it said, don't, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, uh, don't swear oaths, you know, all this stuff, all the things that they have been, living on the law, He says, but I tell you, it's not really about this religious spirit. He goes on from there. He talks about praying and fasting. He talks about loving our enemies. He goes about don't worry. He's talking about don't judge. He gets into seeking, you know, God the Father. All these things. I mean, I, I consider him preach out of the Sermon on the Mount for weeks on end because there's just so many different little things Jesus hits on as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. But it's comes down to one thing. You could really wrap up the Sermon of the Mount with one word. Relationship. All, all Jesus is speaking about is trying to get past the religious spirit of trying to look a certain way in front of others. It's not about that. It's not about how you look. It's a heart issue. Remember, he says, you've heard it said, don't murder but I say to you, if you have these ugly thoughts in your heart against your brother, it's like the same thing. It's not that your body, your physical actions have nothing, it's what's going on in your heart. All these things he's talking about is, do you have a relationship with God? It's a heart issue. Because what Jesus was dealing with then, and guess what, it's still around us today, was this religious Spirit of I want to look a certain way. There were so many people in that day that went, go to synagogue for Sabbath services because that was expected of them. You Remember, the the Christian message started in the synagogue. Remember, it started among the Jews. How many people went to a synagogue in Jesus' day and heard the message of Christ? Christ himself did it. Then his disciples, where did they go first? They went to the synagogue. How few accepted and let God mess up their life and save them and change them and restore them. And how many heard and walked away because they're too steeped in what? A religious spirit. They were too worried about what they look like in front of others. If they were prim and proper, they weren't concerned about the heart. They weren't concerned about relationship. They weren't concerned about if God comes in and tells me to go this way, I am running that way. They were concerned about just themselves. And this, all of this, what he preaches in these words is about relationship. and having a true relationship with the Father. I know a lot of people sometimes struggle in the midst of failure with Am I really saved? I've heard that question asked to me so many times. I've seen people doubt their faith. You may have done that at some point this morning. You're struggling in failure and mess-ups. Am I really saved? I want to be careful with that question because I realize that some places, and Scripture tells us that, people can deceive themselves even under their salvation because they showed up to church enough or they did enough right things, they think they got it. that's not what it is. But I'm going to tell you this morning, if you've ever struggled with that, or maybe you're struggling with it right now, you want to know one of the signs to know that you are of God, that Christ is in you. You want to know one of the signs? That you don't want to just hear what God has to say to you. You want to do it. I'm not saying there's not moments of rebellion or times of failure. But you come to the Word saying, I am not here for the checklist today. I'm not just here so I can tell somebody I've read my Bible for 14 days in a row. I'm coming to God's Word. I'm coming to His house. I'm coming to Him in prayer because I want His direction. I want His Word. And I want to do what He says. That's the description of a person who Has their life built on a solid rock, and who is that? Jesus Christ. That is Christ in you when you do not just hear, but you are changed by God's word. And friends, this is so tough because if you really come here with that attitude, I promise you, God is going to speak to you some days, He's going to tell you some things you don't want to hear. Sometimes in that time out, He's going to say, Child. You want to know why it's so bad for you? Because you're doing this, because you're holding on to that, because you refuse to you know, change ways. And you don't want to hear that. Well, he's talking. He's telling. I hope you're listening, but it's not about you could walk right out of here and have no change in your life. Make no correction have no difference. Why'd you show up? And if that's your attitude, to come in here and say, well, I showed up to our church today. I hope God is happy with me. And if things start to fall apart, don't go blaming God. Don't go blaming God. He was trying to tell you. He is the greatest of all time, the best guide, example, teacher. He loves you. He meets you. Even if you mess up, Day after day, week after week, he still meets you. and says, all right, are you ready to listen to me now? Hmm. All right, this is the last thing I promise, because I want you to notice. I think of this. When I go coach my kids, there's a point. There's always the point where the clock runs out. Fourth quarter, the buzzer hits, and that's it. I had only those four quarters, those few minutes to for us to play a game, for them to listen to some direction, instruction, and hopefully find success in it. Well, our our game hopefully is a little bit longer than that. But friends, the Bible says there's a day the clock runs out. <laughs> Hate to tell you, friends, but it does. The Bible even affirms that as true. I mean, even even if it was in our life we see the glorious return of our Savior, well, That's the day. Either I meet him in his return or I meet him in death. The clock runs out. How many of those minutes, how many of those those days do I want to spend hearing his words but doing nothing with them? How many days do I want to keep getting beat up when I go out there to play life's game and face the challenges? How many days do I want that? Or what day am I going to wake up and say, he knows what he's talking about, and he loves me so much that his words for me are good and true and loving, and I am listening, and I am ready to respond. How many days do we want to waste? How many days do we want to see him send us in, in blessed directions? Because the clock is running out, friend. Let's pray together this morning. Let's go before the Lord in these few moments before we have a time of response. Just bow your heads. Just close your eyes. Right now, I'll pray for you in a moment. Right now, I'm going to ask you begin to talk to God. Would you do so? Right now, would you just begin to talk to him? I hope and I believe so that in these moments, he has been talking to you. There's something I've said, there's something in scripture, through our time of worship. Who knows? But I believe God has been speaking to you. Are you willing to talk with him? And if he has spoken to you, in this time out, in this pause from your day and your week, if he has spoken to you, are you willing to do what he says? For some of you this morning, that call upon you is not the call you wanted to hear. In fact, to be obedient to God right now, you think it's going to cost you something great. No, it's really it's going to cost you your pride. Just to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm done fighting you in this. I'm done losing in this. I will obey. He's been trying to tell you this is the reason. This is the reason that it has not been working in your favor. Do this. Do this instead. He's trying to coach. He's trying to guide. Are you willing to listen? You begin talking to God right now. Right now. Don't, I'm a prayer pray you just a minute. You and God. What are you willing to do? Talk to him. And as you do. Listen to what Jesus said one last time. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on Christ solid rock so father we come forward this morning praying and seeking you God, we thank you for how you'll speak God we thank you for even when we mess it up day after day week after week even when we try to keep living for ourselves even when we will hear but do nothing else with it when we, we will hear what you say but refuse to put it into practice God even in those moments you are so gracious and so loving that you'll call us again. You, we meet and encounter your grace and mercies every morning. They're new every morning, what your scripture tells us. You're always ready to call and speak to us. And God, you love us so much that you're not going to force us. God, that is an, that's an awesome paradox, God. But you love us so much that you even let us reject you. God, you're not going to force us just to be what you want. God, but you know the plans you have for us. The good plans. You know them, God. You can see the things we can't see. You can see the bigger picture. You have more wisdom than we can imagine. And the fact that you want to guide us, God, that that your presence in our life, that you want to guide us and help us and correct us and encourage us. That is amazing. But God, forgive us how we so often hear but do nothing with it. God, I pray all of us would realize that in this moment, this just brief time out from everything else. God, don't let us waste it. God, don't let us waste waste it. God, I ask you speak. God, you give clear words to people this morning, what you call them to do. God, with us to come to you to say, I commit to being a church family because you call us to be the church together, the assembly of your people. God, maybe somebody coming in, just confession and repentance. You call them to lay down that thing they have been doing and holding on to. They know it's not right. They know it's wrong and and you've been telling them, that's no good. And they begin beat up over it. God, have them run to the altar this morning to be broken before you. God, for somebody to seek um, restoration in a relationship, God. Have them do so. We're the we're the church body, the body of Christ, the family, your family. And family sometimes step on each other's toes. Maybe there's some brokenness and hurt. God, I, that is that is not supposed to linger ever. God, if you're speaking to somebody about to go and to restore and to seek forgiveness or to offer forgiveness or whatever, God, have them do it. Don't let them run from that, God. God, and maybe some of this morning they're crying out to you because they need a Savior. They they want their relationship with you, but there's the barrier, there's that gap between you and them, and it only happens when they accept the Son, Jesus Christ. Is that fixed? And you are, you are speaking to that heart now. you are calling, you are wooing that person saying, just trust by faith in my son Jesus. Receive him. Turn from old ways, from sin ways, and turn to Christ. And that seems scary and that seems foolish to some, God, but you do miraculous things in that. Father, for the person who knows they need the Savior this morning, again, Father, don't let them wait, let them come forward God, with passion intensity, God, saying, I need to be saved. God, whatever you would call us to do, whatever words you would speak, God, teach us to listen and to put into practice. God, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all this by our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.